I nicked this from a bar, by the way, in case anyone's wondering. Very comfortable, I thought. Ah, oh, that's better. What was, uh, what was really, uh, what it amused me, it will amuse some, some of you, this will amuse, some of you you'll go, what, because you're just too young, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I mean you're not too young, but you're too young for this to be, be funny, and I was, uh, I, I just uh, decided I really need some, some help when I'm trying to kind of be at the front, and uh, so I bought this, and um, about a week later off on my, my Facebook feed, came a sketch by Dave Allen, um, who, uh, you see, half of you are laughing, half of you are going, who, who, you know, and uh, I used to love Dave Allen, it was just so funny, some of my best jokes were, uh, I nicked from him, and um, so you can tell how long I've been using them, and uh, it just, I, I just thought, I just need a little, a little stand here with a, with a drink on, maybe not whiskey, but, um, well, well, maybe, I don't know, but, uh, so I'm working on that. Okay, uh, oh, look at that, brilliant. What's that? Okay. <laughs> yeah, not just a bit of ice as well. <laughs> okay. Um, Has that been really gentle this morning? Something really kind of gentle. Uh, I, I just like us to be quiet. For a while. So before I interrupt the silence and ruin it all, let's let's just let's just be gentle and allow the spirit to to do what he's doing. Holy Spirit, whatever it is that you are bringing to us from the Father's heart this morning, let's ask you to increase the, the measure of it. We welcome you again. And we welcome you with the desire that you will change us that you will change us to be more like Jesus Amen Are you ready to have your lives turned around by Jesus? 
because he might just do that. You never know. Okay, um, we're looking at um, the issue of, of us growing, building big people, we've called it. And uh, there it says, we're looking at um, big people live generously. Now, I will, I will say right at the outset that the reason that I, we have timed this for this week is because we've got a gift day next, next Sunday. So if you're just sitting there thinking, oh, they're only doing this because they've got a gift day next week, then yeah, that's why, that's why I'm doing it. Um, so there you are, no hidden agenda, completely out in the open. And, um, but we're not interested in big gifts. We're interested in big people. We're building big people. That's what Jesus is doing. He's not interested in big gifts. He's not interested in having fantastic offerings and loads and loads of money and all of that. He's interested in what gets built in our hearts and what flows out of our hearts. So it's big people who live with generosity. And one of the reasons that we've, we've changed things around on Sunday mornings is that we, we want to to try and demonstrate what generosity looks like on a, on a Sunday morning as much as we can. We have limitations upon us, but it's generosity and hospitality. It's generosity of welcome. It's generosity of love and of, of friendship and fellowship and, and all of that. And generosity touches many things because big people live generously. In fact, big people live from abundance, If we believe in an abundant God, then we believe in living from the abundance that that he provides. Wisdom is a gift from a generous God. Every word he speaks is full of revelation. Every word. Every word. Because that's his nature. God is generous. There's no... There's no other way to to see God. He loved the world so much that he gave. He gave his only son. I mean, he he gave. When you give something, you let go of it, don't you? You don't don't give it with strings attached. That's not a gift at all. That's That's a way of manipulating somebody. God didn't do that. He gave his son. He gave himself in his son. And... Uh... That tells us something about the, the nature of God. And so we, we are the ones who have encountered a generous God and we are filled with the spirit of a generous God and we're called to follow the incarnation of a generous God and we now are the incarnation of the generous God. So guess what? We have generosity on the inside. It's our nature. Why do we all enjoy giving so much? Why do we, why do we take care over things like uh, like presents and so on? You know, we're not all perfect at it. Some are better at it than, than others. Some are really, really good at it. Others of us, you know, we struggle a bit. But but we like to do it. It's nice to to give things, and we're it's because we're expressing part of God's nature to be generous when we do that. Okay, I want to to look at. A story in uh, in Scripture that helps us to see something of of the way that Jesus was was generous. 
the feeding of the 4,000. There were two instances in Scripture where Jesus fed lots of people. And possibly you, you know that even though it says there was a feeding of 5,000 and 4,000, it was probably just counting the men. So there were women, there were children, there were families there. That's a lot of people. And uh, it was done from next to, to nothing. The, um, the first time it happened, it probably happened amongst people who were predominantly uh, Jewish. The second time, they were probably predominantly non-Jewish, because it was a non-Jewish area that he was in. So, um, here we are in, in Mark 8. Uh, about this time, another large crowd had gathered, and people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days. They've nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way. For some of them have come a long distance. Doesn't that strike you as a strange thing for the saviour to say? Isn't that slightly strange? I read that and I just thought, that's strange. I mean, if he was worried about the people, why would he bother telling his disciples? He's expecting, thank you, Rodney. He's expecting them to do something, isn't he? He doesn't, he doesn't say, it's not like this. It's not like Jesus there and he goes, hey, hey guys, guys, come here. I've got a real problem here. All these people are hungry. I don't know what to do. Jesus is not saying, I don't know what to do. Jesus always knows what to do, yes? Yes. Jesus always knows what to do. When he asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He asks a question to enable other people to come to the answer. So when he asks you a question, it's not because he's stuck. He doesn't need your advice. He doesn't, at least so far, maybe you're in a different position to me, but I, I don't know, but he doesn't regularly consult me on the running of the universe. So he's, he's giving his disciples a problem. So what do the disciples say? Faith-filled men that they are. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? So here's Jesus, full of generosity. We've got people here who are hungry, they're thirsty, they've been listening to Jesus. They've been eating the bread of life, but they haven't got any bread to eat. And the disciples have certainly got no bread to buy it with. So the disciples say, don't ask us. Now that would be okay, except that these are the very same disciples who've already been in the feeding of the 5,000. Yes? These are the same people who had the bread and had it in their hands and went, hey, look, guys, it's not stopping. Hey, look, this fish just keeps on going and going and going. These are the same guys. It happened to them, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago. And and they're looking at Jesus now saying, who? I don't know. And looking at each other. A bit like those uh, vultures in the Jungle Book, which is another kind of... You know, if you're over 40, you'll go, oh, yeah, wow. And if you're under 40, you'll go, what? And uh, But they're all looking around saying, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it again, just to please everybody. So Jesus said, how much bread do you have? Uh, did Jesus need to know how much bread they had? You're not getting the idea here. Did Jesus need to know how much bread they had? No, he did not. Did he actually need any bread at all? No. So he asked them, how much bread have you got, guys? 
Oh, we got seven loaves, they replied. Yeah, big deal. Um, so Jesus told them, he said, get everyone to sit down. And you would have thought by now the disciples are beginning to key in. Oh, hang on. Wait a minute. Where were we when... Didn't something unusual happen back there? 5,000 people and Jesus asked us about bread and we went, oh, we don't know. And then he said, how much have you got? And we said, we've got this much. And then he said, well, get everybody to sit down. Some of the smarter disciples might by then have gone, oh, yes. Uh, I, frankly, I don't know where I'd have been in this, in this crowd. Uh, and then they found some, some fish, which is, which is good. If the fishermen find some fish, I think that's, that's good. Shows a bit of training and anointing there. Uh, and then they give out the bread and the fish. They go around, they collect up the, the basketfuls of, of bread, and there's loads and loads left over. Okay, don't worry about the numbers too much. Just worry about the principle. Here's Jesus. He has been exhibiting his generosity to them over and over and over and over again. In particular, in this exact same circumstance, he has exhibited generosity to them and shown them how they can participate in them. Okay, the bread multiplied in their hands. It wasn't Jesus suddenly had a big, you know, it went from a little basket to suddenly, oh, here I am. I'm like the, the sort of Tesco click and deliver man. You know, it's, it happened in their hands. When Jesus met with a problem, he looked at it in a different way. He lived from the abundant supply that he had in heaven. He didn't live from the resources that he had on earth. Jesus didn't look at the, the seven loaves and the few fish and go, oh, wow, this is, this is a tough one. I mean, last time it was easier, guys, but this one's really tough. No, he didn't look at that. He looked at the resources in heaven. He invited his disciples, into the same process. He invited them to look at the resources of heaven. But the disciples couldn't do that because all they were looking at was the need and not the supply. They looked at a lot of very hungry people. They did not look at the place where the supply was coming from to meet this need. Okay? That's a really important point for us to hang on to. Kind of stick a bookmark in that one because it'll come back later. Jesus had a bit of a secret here that uh, the disciples hadn't got used to yet. I'm sorry I keep having to, to turn around. Uh, I'm checking that it's actually come up, otherwise it uh, makes no sense really. But in the chapter beforehand, Jesus was praying for a man that was deaf and dumb. Um, now remember, he's in an area out away from Jewish people. So uh, it's in Mark uh, 7. Mark 7, where are we? And uh, I'll read it. Mark seven thirty-one. Jesus left Tyre, went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee. So it's quite a walkabout, really, if you know the geography and the regent of the ten towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. So Jesus led him away from the crowd. Do you know why Jesus led him away from the crowd? Because this crowd had no belief. This crowd had no faith. Jesus did not want to be surrounded by a bunch of people who were just looking and waiting to see, well, I'm waiting to see if it happens or not. Um, of course, we don't have people like that today. 
We don't have any unbelief. We don't have any unbelief in the church at all. Because every time we pray for something in church, all of us are saying, yeah, we know it's going to happen right now because we're praying. See, that never happens now. But it used to happen then sometimes. And so Jesus took him away from the crowd and he put his fingers into the man's ears and then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and then he, he said something unpronounceable. Looking up to heaven. In, uh, in the Passion Translation, it's, which I think is possibly behind me, said he gazed into heaven. When I read that, it put a different slant on it for me. I mean, when I look up to heaven, I can go, help? <laughs> like, help? Is there anybody there? But he gazed into heaven. He looked intently into heaven because he knew that's where the answer was. When he was praying for the man, he didn't look at the man's ears and tongue and say, gosh, this man's got a problem here. He looked into heaven. Why did, what did he see when he looked into heaven? I think he saw lots of things, but one of the things I think he saw was what his father was doing. Because Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. How do you know what your father's doing unless you look? I don't know. If I'm praying, uh, <laughs> I tried this. because I, I read this a few days ago and I suddenly saw something. I thought, Graham, you're an idiot. So, <laughs> so I thought... When I pray for people, I'm going to try and look into to heaven and see what God's doing. So I went to pray for Sonny the other night. And uh, uh, any of you know my medical history, you think, yeah, blood pressure. Graham's great on blood pressure. And uh, So um, I prayed for Sonia. I thought, I'm not going to look at Sonia. I'm, I'm going to look into heaven. So I just said, here I am, God. I'm looking into heaven. <laughs> Can you do something now? And uh, praise God. You know, She's seen some, some change. That's good news. So Jesus, I think Jesus constantly gazed into heaven. I think there's such a clue here in how he did the next thing. Because if you go back over uh, so many times Jesus miraculously intervened, when he uh, prayed for Lazarus, what did he do first? He looked into heaven. He thanked God, said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. In fact, you always hear me. When he broke the bread off and he gave thanks, he looked into heaven to see what was happening. He gazed into heaven to find out where the resources were that was needed to solve the problem on earth. Okay, just put a bookmark in that as well. We'll come back to it. Generosity can show itself in many ways. All these ways up here, I will read them because I can't remember them. Worship, praise, thanks, kindness, time, help, attention, thought, friendship, faithfulness, joy, prayer, space for people, love. We can be generous in all those ways because we're generous people. Would we all agree that those things, we have unlimited resources of those things. And if we need more, we know where to go. If we are really, really struggling with a situation or some individuals, or we think they're struggling with us, we know where to go to find help. Say, Lord, give me patience, or give me love, or Lord, give me time. Um, All those things. We know we've got infinite resources of those things available. You look convinced. So I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, okay, we all know that. 
but wise use of resources entrusts more resources to us. Wise use of resources entrusts more resources to us. So that's the principle, give and it will be given to you. So if, you, if you're somebody that needs encouragement, like I need encouragement. So do you know how I get more encouragement? I encourage people. I want to be the best, I may not be the best, but I want to be the best encourager I know. Not so that I can encourage myself, yeah, good job, Graham, well done. But so I can encourage other people, because I know what I sow is what I reap. What I give is what I get back. Jesus promised it's a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, poured into my lap, running over. The picture there of, uh, they certainly used to do it at weddings, they possibly did it at other times as well, and they would literally pour stuff onto the, certainly the, the bride, and uh, they still do it in some cultures, they pin money to the, the bride. Um, ladies, if they didn't do that to you, go back, get a refund. Okay? Uh, sounds like a, a lovely idea to me. But it's in giving that we receive. If we need to receive something, we don't just say, gimme, gimme, gimme. We say, give, give, give. That's the principle of the kingdom. That's why it's strange. It's topsy-turvy. It's upside down. If we want something given back, we need to give it away. That makes sense. It's the same with generosity. How do we become more effective transmitters of God's generosity into the world? Give stuff away. Give love. Give time. Give prayer. Give patience. Give gentleness. Etc., etc. Okay, let's look at another parable Jesus talked from. Luke 19. Okay, the parable of, uh, at least in this version, says the parable of the ten servants. Um, There are two parables that Jesus tells about uh, masters giving money, resources, but it's in particular money, to uh, servants and then going away and then coming back. The two parables are different. They, um, some of them, well, they're all repeated at different times, but the two parables are different. Um, and I'm not going to go into all the, the kind of differences now, but one of the big differences is the amount of money that's given. Okay, in... Uh, there's the parable of the talents where you have three people and they get uh, five, two, and one, or five, three, and one, I think. Um, a talent, by today's equivalent, is a huge sum of money. I mean, it is tens of thousands. It's a year's wages. So um, we're talking serious amounts of money. This is a different one. This is ten people who are all given the same amount of money and it's a, it's a much smaller amount of money. I mean, it's sizable. Excuse me, it's sizable, but it's not anything of that order. So maybe think a couple of weeks' wages, that type of amount. Um, so the parable of the ten servants. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. So he's talking about stewardship. He's talking about how we care for something that's given to us, how we look after it. He said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then returned. And then returned. 
Um, before he left, he called together ten of his servants and he divided among them ten pounds of silver. So they had a pound of silver each. I don't know what that would be worth. A reasonable amount, but it's not a, it's not a complete fortune. Um, saying, invest this for me while I am gone. Now, this guy's already rich, yes? Yes, he's got ten pounds of silver to give away, yes? He doesn't need help investing, does he? No. No, we're following you, Graham, he doesn't need help. No, he doesn't. But he wants to see what these servants will do with it. Um, But his people hated him, and they sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want him to be our king. Um, It sounds like a few uh, modern-day leaders, but... uh, Jesus often used uh, paradoxes in his, uh, in his parables and contrasts and so on. So he's really talking about God, who's a good, a good leader, a good God. Um, but he's saying even for a bad leader, he's still generous. He gives uh, a pound of silver. So after he was crowned king, he returned and he called in the servants to whom he'd given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. So he's not interested in how they've done it. He's just interested in what they've got. What have you got back? Uh, The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and I made ten times the original amount. That's a good return. We've got some business people here. I'm not a business person. But I I know that if you give somebody ten pounds and they go off and invest it and it becomes a hundred, that's pretty good, isn't it? So this guy had done the equivalent. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You've been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of what? Ten cities. Ten cities. He's governor of ten cities. He's just given a reasonable sum of money, but not a fortune. He goes and he's got enough kind of gift about him and nous about him to be able to... He's worked out how to make money, basically. He can create wealth. That's, I mean, this is, this is a parable for, for those, those of you in business, in any sort at all. But it's a parable for all of us because he's saying, look, I only got a little bit, and, and because of the way I dealt with it, it became ten times more. And because of his diligence, the reward to him was not a load more money. That's what happened in the other parable of the talents. They just get given more money. You know, you made more money, you get given more money. This guy doesn't get given money. He gets given responsibility. He gets given the job of looking after 10 cities. Anybody here looking after 10 cities yet? No, nor me. That's quite a thought. If we're good with our resources, if we know where to go, to see resources multiplied, if we know how to tap into the principles of God's kingdom so that things get multiplied ten times, we get significant responsibility. It's my conviction that uh, that's, that's the, the job that God's given the church, is to, to be able to bring influence into large places of of habitation that's our job our job is to bring influence into Worcester it's not to run Worcester okay I'm not talking about Christians running everything what I'm talking is about the principles of God's kingdom what is good for people including generosity being 
so infused into the society in which we live that everybody benefits from it, whether they know God or not. Okay, that may be controversial to you, uh, and I'm happy for you to talk to me about it. Um, I just know I'm right because it's in here. I read it in the book. So um, there you go. But here's, here's the thing, you see. There was a rich man. And uh, he came to Jesus, and some of you will know this story, but here's a rich man, uh, and he says, Teacher, you're good. I'm just letting you know, teacher, I think you're good right at the start. He says, Good teacher. Um, what, do I, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What, what action must I take? What, what rule can I follow? What do I need to do? And Jesus has a bit of a conversation with him. And eventually Jesus settles on this and says to him, You've done brilliantly. You've really, really done well. I like you. I like you. But there's one thing, just one thing that you lack. You need to give all your money away to the poor and then come and follow me. All right, Jesus was not... So we've just, we've just talked about people making money. Jesus was not being anti-money here because you have to read on to find out why. Because then his disciples are going, what? How come? Because in those days they thought rich people were blessed by God. And the disciples have given everything up. And they're saying, Jesus, we, we gave it all up. We've got nothing. You make us go out with, with, with no bag, no food, no money, no, no, no anything, except sandals and a stick, and, uh, and some clothes as well. They didn't have to go naked. Sandals and a stick. And so uh, where does our inheritance come from? What's, what's going to happen here? And Jesus said, it's hard for people to enter the kingdom when they trust in their wealth. That's my paraphrase. It's hard for people to enter the kingdom. It's hard for people to live in the kingdom when they don't trust the king utterly. If they trust their resources, their, their, uh, their effort, if they trust the work of their hands more than the one who made their hands, it's hard. So, and, and I, do you know, I was brought up believing the wrong thing about this parable. I thought this was, an, was a parable against making money, which when you work within Christian organizations, it's really easy to believe that. Trust me. But then you, you start to think sensibly about it, and you realize what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is not saying uh, that, that the rich young man was evil, because he was rich. He wasn't saying he was evil at all. He was just saying his trust was in the wrong place. Okay, file that one away. Hopefully we'll get them all together. Okay, now I am going to talk about uh, the offering next week. So uh, just to let you know, uh, I'm not being subtle about it. I'm just I'm going to present some facts, okay? Um, this is a uh, scripture out of Isaiah. Generous people plan to do what is generous. They plan to do it. Generous people think ahead, how am I going to be generous? They don't just wake up one morning and think, oh, I'm going to go out and somebody asks them to be generous and they go, oh yeah, I'm going to be generous. You see, if generosity is in you, you think ahead about it all the time. You're always thinking, how can I give out of what I've got? It doesn't matter how much we have to give, it's how can I give out of what I've got? Okay, 
these are some, some figures that uh, we put together. There are no figures on them, but they are based on figures. So this is, this is the, the total number of households in the uh, congregation. Um, I don't know how many that is, but it's a representation of it. And um, it's the manner in which, which giving comes in from those households. So ad hoc means it just sometimes it, you know, it comes, sometimes it doesn't. That's fine. This, this is not... Look, I'm, I'm being as honest and open as I can about this because I just want you to know there's no judgment here. Just looking at facts because there's a challenge here that we all need to hear. And I don't want to pull back from the challenge because when we don't talk about the challenge, then we're unrealistic, okay? And then we become manipulative trying to do it by a side route. And I don't want to be manipulative. I just want to be direct and, and clear, okay? So we've got, uh, I, think, I think it does... Uh, Oh, I've got a little... Oh, there it is. Oh, there it goes. Look at that. Uh, so, total number of households, that's ad hoc. Uh, that's not known. So, I mean, a lot of that is giving into the offering on Sundays and so on and so forth. Um, you know, it's just, we don't know. And then these, these are the ones where we, where we do know because um, you've been kind enough to, to set up a standing order. And that's incredibly helpful. So, thank you so much. Um, now, this is looking at the standing orders, okay? Uh, so we have uh, decreased, and that's going to happen because people's um, situations change. If you're giving a regular percentage and your situation changes and your salary goes down or something, then uh, you may have to change your standing order. Now, that, doesn't, that decrease, it could be that they were giving 50%. And they had to decrease it to 49%. You know, so it's not, it's not saying anything other than there's that percentage that have gone down. And it's, it's not that many. Uh, then uh, that one there, those are the ones that have increased. Uh, that one there, those are people who are no longer part of the church or their standing order has, has stopped for some reason. Uh, those are our new standing orders. So this is in the past year or so. And these ones here, which is... Uh, that's the majority, that's probably two-thirds. Um, they've just not changed in the past year. Now, actually, the truth is, the vast majority of those have not changed in the past five years. All that is saying is it's, it isn't something that shows any change. It doesn't mean that people have not thought about it. It doesn't mean that people have not reviewed it. It doesn't mean anything except that they haven't changed. That's all it means. And so when we come to, the, uh, to a gift day, it's an opportunity for us to gaze into heaven and see what God is doing for you. And for me. Um, so I'm, my, my salary uh, base has, has changed a bit recently. And um, uh, I have different bits coming from, from different places. Um, and I don't want my capacity to be generous financially. And I mean specifically financially. I do not want that to be governed by my understanding of my finances. I want it to be governed by what God 
is revealing to me. One of the things I have been praying recently is to, to have a bigger income. Now, I haven't been praying to have a bigger income because I want to keep my Mercedes habit going or because of anything else. The reason is I really, really want to see more money come in so that more money can go out. But what I felt as the challenge from the Lord is, uh, okay, Graham, well, you're believing more money is going to come in? Sure, Lord. So you can give more money out? Sure, Lord. So why don't you just give more now? Sure, Lord. Because if I don't, then I think it's fair for the Lord to say, so you're really trusting me? Now, I, I do not want to appear in any way to be kind of... Um, putting in a, a sort of um, pressure on people just because I'm part of the leadership and I say a certain thing. I'm just telling you how I responded. So when I knew, when we finally got around to settling the, the date for the gift day, I went away then and I, I decided how much or how I would respond. So I, I changed my standing order and I increased it. Not because I felt I wanted to increase monthly because there was an amount I wanted to give over a year and I thought actually I'm going to trust that I can increase my standing order this much and that was a part of the the amount that I I gave but it was still a reasonable amount that I wanted to give that I didn't have and so I I prayed and said Lord I just I'd like to be able to do this help me help me see how I can do it now that process started a while ago um, and I've uh, things have happened that en- enabled me to to put that money into the the offering, and um, and so as was my habit. I'm sorry, some of you are looking cold. Um, just because I'm sitting here with a short sleeve shirt on with parrots all over it doesn't mean that I'm not cold either. Um, doing my best to get through. We'll be finished soon, promise. Um, and uh, where was I? Yeah. Um, And so once, once that I'd got the money together, I gave it before I changed my mind. Because I, I know what my heart's like. I just think, oh, look, here's all this money. And do I need to give this much? And I think, yeah, I do. I'm just going to get rid of it quick before I change my mind. Uh, and so, so it's arranged. It's gone. And, and uh, it, it's given. Now, you may have done the same. And I, I'm just saying, what I've done is I've gazed into heaven. And I've looked at the supply I want to see what the Father's doing because I know that's the only way for me to be able to enter into the promises that we've been looking at here in in Scripture. Any other route is me trying to make it happen and it's works, not grace. That's that's the way I, I see it. I mean, I can... It's not that I can't make a decision how to use, so I've got £100. It's not I can make a decision how to use £100. Of course I can. But I don't want to be limited by just thinking I've got £100. I want to look into heaven and say, Father, what are you saying? And if the Father is saying, Graham, why don't you trust me for a bit more? And why don't you exhibit that trust just by giving away 11% of your £100 rather than 10%? Or 6% rather than 5%? Or 2% rather than 1%? Or 50% rather than 49%. Uh, let's, let's just go back to um, the, uh, the, uh, the widow here. 
She just gave everything. She gave everything because she had a lot to be grateful for. She was a widow. She had nobody to look after her. And um, she didn't have much, but she just wanted to give. These are the lyrics from a, a song which um, uh, you can find on YouTube. It's also on our City Church um, Facebook thing. Because I, uh, well, I thought I'd put it up there, and then somebody told me I hadn't. So, but it's there apparently. Um, and uh, it's, it's. I love this song. I love this song because it expresses something so beautiful. What can I do for you? What can I bring to you? What kind of song would you like me to sing? I'll dance a dance for you. Pour out my love for you. What can I do for you, my beautiful king? And it's the same spirit that I think we can bring to an offering. What can I do for you? You see, my offering isn't for you. I mean, I I do love you. You're great. But my offering isn't for you. My offering's for him. My offering is not because I want to see things supported in the city. My offering is not because I want us to be able to uh, employ somebody to, um, to prosper our youth work. My offering is not for all those things. My offering is for him. And our tithes and our gifts and our offerings, we give them because we give them to him. I don't give for favor. I give from favor. I've been favored so I can be generous. Okay, we're just going to respond quickly and then finish because it's cold and um, I don't want to keep people uh, hanging around too long. That's okay. um, so, um, perhaps we could all just stand up. I'll try as well. Stretch out our stiff limbs. If you're standing near somebody you know well enough, give them a hug, keep them warm. Hypothermia is not a gift from God. Okay, I'm sorry the heating's not on. Um, A few things we can have a conversation with the school about. Okay, let's let's just respond to the, the Lord. Father, you have been so generous to us. You have given so much to us. So much. Salvation itself. So much more than we can imagine. Just unimaginable riches of salvation given to us. Given to us. And who are we except you have called us to be daughters and sons of the King? And you have given riches upon riches upon riches of love and grace and wonder and healing and glory. And so our response, Father, is we want to we want to say thank you. And we just thank you so much. Just verbally we thank you. We thank you. You have you've been good to us. You've been good to us. You owe us nothing. And we owe you everything. So, Father, will you enable us to gaze into heaven 
to see what you are doing and to respond with an overflow of generosity in every possible way. Help us to be generous to our neighbours. Help us to be generous to our family. Help us to be generous to those that we, we work with and study with. Help us to be generous in every way. I had the distinct sense earlier while Steph was, was leaving of uh, all of us literally being surrounded by an abundance of, of precious jewels. Um, just overflowing, just poured out around us and, and us not realizing. We just didn't know that it was there. And I, I, I sense what the Lord wants us to, to know is people... Just gaze into heaven and see what it is that you've got. Because it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Okay. Amen. Steph, do you want to finish off? Thanks.